Uh, I'm going to drop the uh, his intro where he's like, hello, O'Reillyans. Oh, yeah. I've been let out into the world. It's very, <laughs> it's very adorable. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'll probably lead in with that. And then the theme song. Okay, perfect. I guess. Yeah, Sounds we're gonna lead in with this, and then that, and then the theme song. <laughs> Good morning, O'Reillyans and uh, emerging technologists. Uh, it's morning again, and it's early. Uh, so thank you for, for making it here. Um, can I have the laptop, please? So I'm a sociologist, and I'm from Microsoft Research. We're a small software company in Redmond, Washington. Uh, I'm down here on a work release program uh, to allow me to... <laughs> I got it. Oh, I, I see. It's me. Uh, so I'm a research sociologist. They let me out to see the sun every now and then. listeners welcome to debut buddies this Yay! is a podcast about firsts we're going to talk about the first of of all kinds of things and this week we're talking about the first podcast we couldn't quite get the first episode ever of the of a podcast but we did get an episode of the first podcast that's pretty far back so get get excited for that 2004 the podcast started in 2003 I'm not going to say what the podcast is yet because uh, I didn't introduce my fabulous co-hosts. Oh, we're all we're all Debs around here. <laughs> to my Zoom left, at least on my screen, is Kelly Attaway. Kelly, hi, hello. Um, uh, uh I wasn't prepped for. <laughs> I feel like I'm in like a meeting at work. It's the well, first episode. It's so. the first episode. Yeah, just uh, yeah. just come up with an adjective that starts with <laughs> the first letter of your name. first name and describes yeah. you. Oh god, that was always <laughs> so hard because K. I was always like kooky koala. I don't know Kafka esque. Oh Kafka esque. That's not bad. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, uh, fun fact about me is um, uh, I. Uh, I hate icebreakers. Over to Chelsea. <laughs> well, I am uh, Chelsea, and I am a childish cheetah. Thank you oh, for there asking. There we go. Uh, okay. That's probably not true. doesn't say cheery chimpanzee. What other ones? Ooh, cheery chimpanzee works. I don't know if that's You could be a cheeky cheetah. Oh, cheeky. Okay, I'll accept that. Um, hey, I'm Chelsea, the cheeky cheetah. Uh, thanks for... Coming to our first episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And I'm uh, Nifty Narwhal Nate. Oh, oh yay! <laughs> I did always used to use Nifty. That's nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That works. Because it's such an old timey word, but it also sort of defies, like, what does Nifty even mean? Um, Nifty. It's definitely positive. It has yeah, very positive good. connotations. Uh -huh. Yeah. 
It's like it's like a a, a crisp short sleeved button down shirt is nifty. <laughs> like, okay. don't you look nifty today? I feel like unexpectedly <laughs> positive is how I feel about nifty. Okay, I feel like I'm unexpectedly positive. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. There's a lot of things to be really upset about, and here I am talking like there's not. <laughs> 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 That's we, we are the Debs. This is Debut we are the Buddies. Debs. You have come here probably expecting like, oh, hey, a vague idea. I used to listen to that. What? What? What's this? Well, guess what? This is the new thing. This is the new thing. Like I said before, we talk about firsts. What are some firsts we talk about, Kelly? We are going to talk about the first um, uh, moon landing. Episode. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, the first moon landing. <laughs> that was fake. I mean, we can't talk about that, but we will talk about other first stuff. <laughs> Fine, the first faked moon landing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, uh, the first, uh, I like you said, podcast. We're gonna do that. Um, the first, um, song by Madonna. Um, the first, uh, book I ever read, which was Little Women. Oh, Aww. yep. So as a five-year-old, I learned how to read. Knocked out Little Women. To drop Bob Odenkirk in here going, ah, little women. You know, <laughs> let's just talk about how hot Bob Odenkirk is. Let's right. change up the podcast here a yeah. few minutes into the first episode. New new plan, Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. I haven't just... watched Better Call Saul though. Oh, yeah, me neither. Chelsea, Better Call Saul? No. <sighs> I've had it recommended multiple times and well, told then I the guess... new season was really good. Or the last season was really good. Yeah, we're going to have to watch the first episode. The first of episode. <laughs> yeah. And then we can talk about what we think the show might be. Perfect. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> but yeah, this week we're going to talk about the first ever podcast. And uh, as Kelly said earlier, it came out in uh, 2003, 2003, 2004, something like that. Mm-hmm. When uh, the, the little baby internet was like, what do we do? We got We got the ability to record sound and we got these RSS feeds floating around in there. Uh, banging around in the tubes yeah uh did you read about about the rss feed in relationship to this podcast though i did not please so rss this podcast was not being distributed on an rss feed for the first handful of episodes because Mm. that wasn't a thing yet like podcasts weren't a thing yet so people were just uh, i mean the guy who who started the podcast um was just like uploading it to his blog basically and people oh. were coming to it and like i i do think that there was at least a player on the web page so you could play it in the browser um and then it was like eventually the the way oh man i should have reread this um uh i i read this like back when we decided we were going to do this episode and um somebody Which for the listener that's been like months yeah, Honestly, it's been, it really it's been a little while. <laughs> I think this was on the Wikipedia though. So like if you're interested, go go look it up. This podcast is called IT Conversations. Um and it I mean that's that's what it is. IT Conversations. It's a bunch of nerds talking about tech. And um yeah, they they like invented using RSS feed to distribute audio. Which is so crazy. Yeah. Isn't that bonkers? And what does RSS feed stand for? Resource snakes. Just a lot of... (laughs) Resource snakes. (laughs) I don't know what it stands for. Great. I mean, hey, there's no... This isn't like a... 
a high stakes situation. The uh, so the gentleman who started this podcast name is Doug K. Really a simple syndication. I just googled it. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. Really simple syndication. Mm-hmm. Is it? Aw, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, listeners, if you were screaming really simple syndication at us, you can stop. We figured it out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, IT conversations with Doug K. And it is it is noted uh, by multiple sources to be the first ever podcast on the internet. This is the mm-hmm. first person who was doing this thing that we are doing now. And yeah. I don't know if we're doing it any better than uh, <laughs> than he was doing it in 2003, 2004. We'll talk about that at the end of the show, I think. We'd, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we've got a lot of time. We got to warm up. We got to kind of get Yeah, our yeah. <laughs> this is the first this is the first sort of saunter. We got to get the, the vibes uh, right. The we got to we got to circle in on the vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're looking we're looking for a vibe target, mm-hmm, a vibe mm-hmm, train. Mm-hmm. We're trying to <laughs> trying to catch the vibe avatar beast to planet from avatar. Right? Right? right it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Pandora? Yeah, we want to yeah, we want to yeah, stick our our uh dreadlock tendrils that are for sex and for driving uh, into one of those beasts and fly it to Pandora. Are they for sex in that movie? Oh yeah, yeah. Because huh. when uh, when the main dude <laughs> like what's up with Zoe Saldana Avatar, they have Zoe like... Saldana was in it. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I I'm pretty sure yeah. she's the lead the leading lady Avatar. She deserves better. I mean, I mean it, it is it, the highest grossing of the movies, right? But I think that it's like ironically, right? No, people like it. Oh yeah, do they? It was not maybe they do. I, <laughs> there are people. There are people. Here's the thing. I've never seen Avatar. I basically haven't. So um, I got very, very drunk in order to watch it. And that seems uh, like a terrible way to watch that movie. No, I just went to bed. I did not finish it. Here's what I remember about that movie. Waking up the next morning, dreaming that I was wandering through the desert alone because I was so thirsty and hungry. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm the only one who's seen it coherently <laughs> yeah, i watched it like in it. the front row uh oh so you in, so you even saw it in the theater with the 3D. i worked at a movie theater so okay. oh, <laughs> nice well yeah 3d front row that was not uh i didn't throw up girl you get felt like it the sick. entire time i do i do and i did i definitely oh, did no. for sure um yeah it was not not good <laughs> maybe i should watch again not That'll be the first movie we we all haven't watched. That will we're just learning that none of us have done anything. Yeah, yeah, we're basically <laughs> the best people to do a podcast about firsts because we're literal virgins. Yeah, that, so that's why I brought up Madonna earlier because I just kept trying to think of how to work in virginity. It didn't. Not... It didn't go great. <laughs> so we listened to this first episode, not this first episode. We listened to what? What is it like the twentieth episode or something of this podcast? Something. It's very early. Yeah, it's very early on. It's from two thousand four, and I don't even know. Does Doug K appear on this? Is he introducing <laughs> Mark Smith, he... or is there just a oh. random dude introducing? And this is just a I recording. Don't think it's a of random dude. Yeah, this is a recording of an event. This is a recording of a so. Of a tech conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the um, Emerging Tech Conference, which is hosted by O'Reilly. You mentioned O'Reillyans mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. O'Reilly is the is the brand that puts on this tech conference. And it's still going, as far as I know. Yeah. Um, O'Reilly is for sure still a thing. I've, like, 
uh, I've got O'Reilly books up on my bookshelf right now because O'Reilly. they like make every every like how to book yeah. in tech as far oh, as I know. I <laughs> like if you need a book on how to do Pearl or whatever, like O'Reilly has a book. And they always have like a cute animal on the front. No, like an illustration I didn't know that. of an animal. I would say most of the workshops I go to are hosted by O'Reilly. Yeah, they're they're big. They're big yeah. in the industry. Um, so so yeah, this was just a, a tech conference. And it sounds like I just did a little bit of Googling about this tech conference because I wanted to see who else was speaking oh. this year, 2004. And um, I think that this might have been like the second annual oh. um, emerging tech conference. And yeah, I think that the guy introducing him is not Doug Kay. I think that it is just the like mediator for that probably for that track at the conference um this was something else i read on i think just wikipedia i did not do like i did not go deep in the research for this but i was curious it sounds like the beginning of this podcast this is what it was it was just recordings of conferences yeah um, yeah mm-hmm. i think so i think it was just it was just archiving literally yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. which is difficult because it didn't have supplements to there's a lot of references to visual data in this podcast Ooh, I tried that you don't so get to see to find, to find them. It. Same. I was like, what is the tree he's looking at? I thought yeah. it was pretty visual. I, I was able to visualize it a little bit, but like, yeah, yeah but I, I don't know. Like, I'm probably just painting nonsense English major pictures of, of real data. Like, <laughs> oh, of course, I can see what he means. The green ones are more active than the blue ones. Yeah. But I wanted to see, like, especially the part where he talks about, like, how do you draw an image of a Uh user online? Like, what is the shape of a user online? I was like, I want to see it. I thought Um, of those, like, uh, those sort of, like, hexagonal charts that are sort of about your personality mm -hmm, things, mm -hmm. where it kind of, like, pulls out, like, like your Myers-Briggs kind of thing. But, like, pulling at that and going, like, oh, this person's got an asshole drawing because all they (laughs) do is, like... It's just an asterisk. Troll and drag. Yeah, it's just an asterisk. Oh, I saw At least it the butthole cut. It's, oh, butthole. <laughs> it's a callback to our last uh, podcast together, so it belongs. Oh, my God. I forgot that we talked about buttholes on that, too. <laughs> yep. Yep. Can't get away from them. Nope. <laughs> They're right behind you no matter where you go. Oh, well. I pictured it as being like over time because I think that you have like an evolution as a user. And how, but I don't know how it would dictate that because they said it was trees. So, but then the way that he described the tree graph, I didn't know what that was. I I wanted to look it up. It sounded like a word cloud. Yeah, and I I looked up things that I think are similar to it to try to understand it, and I but it looked like what you were describing, having the thing with the offshoot things, but it was connected to other things that also were buttholes. So it was like (laughs) a screen of buttholes that were connected. But but I think yeah like but with kind of maybe a word cloud thing where they get larger and more intense because mm-hmm. he was sort of highlighting how like your kind of ideal sort of answer like tech support user person would just answer a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and then he had other people who were just posting a lot of nonsense everywhere and I mean all these behaviors what's interesting about this like we should start a little bit from the yeah. top like <laughs> this <laughs> this very charming fuddy-duddy of a sociologist slash tech guy comes out to talk about the way groups work on the internet and in 2004 we don't have facebook and we don't have twitter and we don't have 
Reddit even. We don't have any of these spaces. We have something called Usenet that he references being dead or near dead mm-hmm. several times, which I was going to ask anybody if they knew what Usenet was. because Apparently I don't... it's still still in existence. People still, still use there. it every day. Aww. Yeah. Um, I do know a little bit about it. I have known about it for years and never looked into it because I'm not a nerd. <laughs> My computer's Oh, sure. Um, (laughs) and found this this talk very fascinating to the point that i read some publications by the guy speaking so usenet is like an alternative to the internet (laughs) like like it's a different protocol like you can't go to like www.usenet.com like it's somewhere else you need a special you have to download a special client in order to interact with usenet oh interesting Um, okay yeah and it's like um do they have a free client i could only find ones that cost money but i feel like i I don't know Hmm. yeah i've never looked into it that far i sort of would expect that maybe there was a free one in 2004 and maybe not anymore but yeah if there are listeners who like know more about usenet and who have like actually explored it i would love to hear your experience i was gonna look into it for um for this episode but then yeah you have to download other software in order to access it and i was like well sounds like i can't do that from my phone so <laughs> they can uh they can tweet at us at debut buddies yeah on twitter to let us know i i would like to know too because i was just sort of it's this is fascinating that it's it's extra extra web right it's not uh-huh. on the world wide web so it's so it's not even anything that i've ever experienced because even just like old chat rooms that were sort of aol right. adjacent were still on the internet yeah, I like I wonder even if this is like I wonder how graphical it is or if it is oh. all text based. So what is it? Usenet stands for something. It's like you um Unix. I don't know. It has something to do with like the the way Unix computers talk to each other. And that was the the basis of it was like you're on a Unix computer, you're on a Unix computer. How do we like share a file between these? And maybe that's a text file, or maybe it's like the podcast that I just uploaded, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, yeah, Chelsea, it looks like. Yeah, I was trying to up. tap it <laughs> or type it, tap it. Oh my God. I was trying to type it. I tapped it into my phone and now I'm trying to type it into the chat. It's Usenet or user network. Yeah. Users network. User network. Yeah. But, but it's like Unix users network. I just had users network on the Google. But they definitely talk about it's Unix to Unix. It's Unix to Unix. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if like it ever like stood for that, but that was like how it got started was Unix users network. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It uses a Unix to Unix copy. So UUCP dial up network architecture, at least initially. No longer dial up now, obviously, because we don't, we don't dial up anymore, but, but man, they were still kind of dialing up during this talk. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, he'd like click a link and then there'd be a pause. It's like, oh, we're buffering. I loved hearing that. <laughs> but I we're thought that, that was, was that not a joke about China? Oh, was it because he mentioned the Chinese news, the like Chinese news groups taking off? I'm not sure, but I thought that that might have been part of it. And I was like, he has a lot of jokes that don't land. It's true. But they were so full of it. They were so. He was very funny. <laughs> he was, he mm-hmm. was like, he's all deadpan, super dry. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just one one joke after another. So, so he's talking about so he's talking about these groups on the internet, and he's talking about essentially, I- at least in the first half, about 
effectively the tragedy of the commons in the way that the internet has been constructed, that there mm-hmm. aren't commonly shared spaces where everybody contributes because he estimates as a sociologist that we as a country lack a, a positive sort of connotation for shared spaces, which I think is very true. And so, yeah, he had a good quote and I'm going to butcher it because I didn't write it down, but it was essentially like what it made me think of is how people shit on pop music because they're like, oh, that's too mainstream. His quote was essentially like, if it's if it's too well loved, then it must not be then it's not well valued. If we all get to use it, it can't be good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Things that are owned by all are valued by none. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's like bridges. We're we're living in a time now, almost 20 years later, where bridges owned by all of us fall down daily. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Not just an internet problem. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it really, it's far reaching. <laughs> America's great. So yeah, to, it, kind of talking about this and then, and then really diving into Usenet, lots of stuff that I'm going to sound stupid because I don't really know, but basically talking about the implications of more and more permanently shared content on the internet where you're going to interact with someone that is going to be cataloged in some form and continue to exist. He's basically predicting the existence of social media several years before social media happens and saying, Hey, this is a thing that's becoming possible. There's a lot of potential here. Yeah. What does he call? He he refers to social software over and over. Social software. Inscription revolution is also what he describes. Mm-hmm. Or is that later with the text? Yeah, I think the inscription revolution is that thing of saying, like... Everything you do will be public and available in the future, and it's not just quick interactions. Yeah, yeah, that it won't just be, like, a phone call where you hang up and that data is lost. Then, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's this idea, like, oh, no, if you have a chat on the internet, a la, like, talking about abortion on Facebook, someone can come after you with that because Facebook's evil. And you know what was so interesting about that? is today when i was looking for the the visuals that he used in this i was finding notes that people t- like they were attending the conference and they took notes oh. on this talk so i was finding and they weren't like on a blog it was like somebody's personal notes oh wow about this conference with their like it was exactly how I took notes listening through this. Like, here was a point. Here are my thoughts on the point. Here's mm-hmm. a point. Here are my thoughts on the point. Here's a point. How could I use this at my job? Like, I was like, I am doing the thing that he was talking about. Like, this is a hieroglyphic that I have unearthed from 2004. This is bonkers. The thing yeah. he was describing <laughs> is happening and I am engaging with it and this talk you know 20 years later almost and i was gonna say and for uh my i, I don't want to brag or anything but my degree is in sociology and i'm a tech lady so yeah uh, i felt very <laughs> uh, <laughs> this talk was very in line with um the work that i'm currently doing and he went through and he quoted a bunch of people and it was like i don't know so well i don't want to say so well spoken at the beginning he was like very uncomfortable with his jokes but the way he just like quoted everyone and made it flow so well was so so good and we haven't see- said his name yet oh yeah his name is mark oh, smith, mark, smith. <laughs> yeah. mark with a c mark with a c and he's remarkably well spoken and like it's those remarkably remarkable ah, hey that's a nate yeah. joke yeah i'm doing it <laughs> 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 
he's very listenable because he's so he's comfortably uncomfortable at the beginning of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Like just, just style wise, like you get nothing back from the audience. He gets like one chortle (laughs) early on from like someone who's probably right in the front. It was a sneeze. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But he just keeps rolling. Right. And he, and, and then he's just starts spinning gold. I mean, it's the first half of this is so interesting because he's just talking about like how communities of people behave on the internet and studying it. Like, Hey, look, they're starting to do things like real people do. We Mm -hmm. should pay attention to the fact that people on the internet do stuff the way real people do in real life, which is interesting to think about as being revelatory, but it's also really interesting to think about as like, yeah, which I, I, I think I think my big takeaway was like why why didn't more people see the fucking like train coming off the tracks sooner because he clearly <laughs> does like he's he's definitely watching for it. Yeah. Now there's something he says in the second half we'll get to but like he definitely alludes to the profit motivation being a factor that derails some of yep. the optimistic uses of the technologies that he's <laughs> talking about. Yep. And to be that self-aware and also that open at it at a conference seemed cool. So it's like if this is the second iteration of this conference, of this O'Reilly conference, and people are just straight up saying like, hey, cool, um, we're making this amazingly complicated thing that could uh, do really fantastic stuff, which was the language of the Internet when I was in high school. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this was this was the naivete of me thinking like, oh, man we're going to live in the best time ever because people are going to be, <laughs> they're going to have access to information. They're going to be able to interact with people from all over the world and understand them. And, and it's just going to make us better. It's going to make us a stronger globe of human beings. And, uh, and he's speaking to that, but he's also speaking to things like, I mean, at least near the end of the first half, you know, he's, he's talking about like, Oh, we're, we're going to observe how different countries, news groups pop up. And then we're also going mm-hmm. to, observe people's behaviors and those behaviors are permanent and you start going oh yeah well that's the bedrock of surveillance which is also a part of the internet behavior that you know he's not speaking to surveillance directly but he's sort of alluding to stuff he that we deal with now calls it out as dangerous mm-hmm. later on he, and i and i thought that that was um huge to use that word like it is it is dangerous yeah. and we do need to be cognizant of it and i don't think that many people are so um i have gone to a handful of tech conferences and um uh, there's something he talks about in the second half that like happens at them but um Mm. one thing that really struck me about this and i wonder if it has to do with a it being 2004 or him being a sociologist or a combination of the two but seeing somebody who is talking about something like this very realistically and very and like um not being afraid to call out the dangers or the things that we need to like be mindful of is very refreshing like every tech conference I've been to and I work in the space of big data so the very first company I worked for was essentially big brother like they collected all of the data points about you and every piece of um, junk mail that you have ever received, if you live in, in America, was from this company, almost definitely. Um, and like that sucked working for them. And 
as I've like grown in my career and I've gone to more and more big data conferences, it's all like that. Like we can collect every data point about somebody and market things to them, sell things to them, make decisions for them around them. And that's so scary. But at these tech conferences, people are so enthusiastic, even about dumb shit. They're like, oh, we can know exactly when you wake up and how you like your toast and have it ready for you. And like, that's, I don't need that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That that becomes that big question of like, what is, I, this has been my beef with tech for a while. It's like, what what startup comes out and is like, hey, I'm going to do something that actually makes your life materially better. Oh, not God. not just like, hey, I'm going to make it possible for you to buy this thing that you could already buy, but in a different way mm-hmm. with a different middleman. No, no, no. I don't need I don't need like fake convenience and I don't need all this other garbage like he's talking about in the first half of this, like he's talking about forming pictures of people which inform the algorithms that tell Facebook to send your uncle white nationalist Mm -hmm. material. Yeah, he like essentially describes like algorithmically trending topics on Twitter. Yeah. You know? Yeah, this is bonkers. Yeah, it didn't feel, I mean, like listening to it now, there are like pieces that are dated, but I was like, all of this is still very, very relevant. Mm -hmm. Like everything he says from the beginning to the end, there's some form of what he's saying in practice today yeah i mean especially like in the second half stuff even though some of the tech that he suggests is dated yeah applications are very prevalent like we're probably doing them now more than we were then anyway Mm -hmm. just in a different form yeah i was like writing things down i was like yeah we do that and it's called this like there is a name for what you're describing (laughs) yeah this is nuts So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share you a little walk around some of the books in sociology and political science that, for me, inform my worldview. These are the the key texts. Uh, Bob Axelrod's Evolution of Cooperation, which basically says we're all engaged in a game of playing risky transactions with one another over and over and over again. And it's the very nature of the over and over and over again part of it that lets us be social and be successful being social, even in the harshest of environments, and and maybe the net's one of those environments. Uh, Eleanor Ostrom tells us that while Bob Axelrod was talking about a prisoner's dilemma, uh, Eleanor Ostrom lets us understand that we're only prisoners if we treat each other that way, and that collective action in a commons is, in fact, one of the things that humans do very well. And we've lost sight of that in some cases. We have a culture that does not celebrate the collective project. Things that are owned by all are valued by none, we often believe, at least in uh, my country, that seems to be the case. Uh, Eleanor really shows us that lots of cultures, and in fact, it may be a mark of a successful culture, have practices that let them get the job done collectively. Axelrod definitely described it in a negative manner, but he, it sounds like uh, Eleanor Ostrom, who I think was the only woman who has ever won the Nobel Prize for economics? Oh, cool. Yeah. I she... mean, unfortunate, regrettable. There should be more of them, but like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> but yeah, cool that she did. Um, cool for her. <laughs> but she did create, uh, or she did have like a rebuttal to that is that we're only prisoners if we treat it that way. So, like, I always like, I loved the part of his talks where he always balanced it. And it was like, here's the really negative thing, but here's the positive thing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we were talking about is like, and I feel like that quote really kind of spelled it out for me. And I just really appreciated that insight. And now I'm going to go read a bunch of stuff by them. 
that same thing of like, we're only prisoners if we treat ourselves like that is sort of the entirety of the American economic system and everything works is like, everybody goes, "Eh, well, what am I going to do? I'm just going to have to, you know, I'm just going to have to suffer because that's how it is. And it's like, no, it's not how it is. People build these things. That's what she's saying. We build Mm -hmm. them together. And if you choose to build it, if you choose to build a prison around yourself, then that's a prison. But if you uh, try to build something else. Oh, boy, I feel like I could do a whole like one hour talk alone on that thought. Because <laughs> I don't know if I'm if I totally buy into that. But I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. So you're today. Bob Axelrod and Nate's uh, Eleanor. Well, I don't know. No, because I don't feel strongly <laughs> in the other direction. I'm yeah, ambivalent yeah, no. and I'm trying to and I need to figure out my thoughts don't 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 take my my sort of uh optimistic spin as an undermining of my nihilism about it like i don't think (laughs) i don't think that we can all wake up tomorrow and go like okay now it's different right because but i but i think about this with like organized religion and all sorts all of these Mm, structures right like everybody participates in structures as if they exist by the hand of something that is so much greater than them that they're unalterable when the truth is mm-hmm. all of these things were made by somebody and all of them can be unmade. Like it's like your, you know, your mother brought you into this world. She can damn well take you out of it. Like we have God, the I capacity. <laughs> no, no, I read something recently. <laughs> oh, I'm putting on airs. I was listening to a podcast recently. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they mentioned that the U.S. has like 5,500 nukes. That sounds why great. Do we, why do we have? What are we just doing those? And that's like that's like twenty percent of what we had during the Cold War. Why do we? Why do we have so many? Because we had to maybe blow Russia up because it was scary. Well, they've got sixty five hundred. I know. So give up the game. <laughs> that's the thing. We uh, we use being scared to validate spending huge amounts of money, and we use uh, all other excuses to invalidate spending it for people who aren't scared. Boo. <laughs> Chelsea, you were gonna you were gonna move along with. Oh, the, do you want me to do you want to me to the move next on thing? Yeah, let's move us along. <laughs> okay, well, I kind of wanted to bring this up because I thought it was an interesting topic. Um, he did talk about. Oh, I'm gonna have to try to figure out where this is. He describes a New Yorker cartoon in it. Um, and he I've got the audio for that. I'll drop it in perfect. for you. Yeah, that's um, right at the top. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he talks about people engaging in collective action through computing. And he's talking about like how people engage with each other through a computer over how they engage with each other in real life. And he says this. Insert audio clip here. <laughs> I'm leaving all of that. Okay. <laughs> what do people really need to interact successfully? And, and this gentleman here, it's one of my favorite New, New Yorker cartoons. It comes from Sarah Kiesler's book, Connections. I don't know if you can read the text. Uh, this fella is sitting there, and he's barking into the telephone. Do you know who you're talking to, Buster? You're talking to the guy with the biggest desk, biggest chair, longest drapes, and highest ceiling in the business. Why has he got to tell him? He's on the phone. Why does he have those big things if not to do something? What's he doing? He's signaling. He's signaling a lot of things. He's signaling status and location and power and position and that's what being social is all about. It's finding your place in the network and in the hierarchy and conveying that to other people. What I really liked in this in this quote when he's talking about this, about how, like, and this is how I feel like with 
the whole talk about work from home and uh, going mm. back into the office and being able to see people, you have to see people's stature. You get, you have to see that they have corner office. You have to see that they're important somehow. So that was one way I saw it, but I was like, man, social media does kind of even the playing field because you don't have to see people's clothes. You don't have to see how much they spend on the stuff that they bring in. Like there is always a sense of this person's important because they look like this. This person's important because they have this notebook. Like there's just such a focus on what people have, even in the workplace, regardless of their actual competence. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like that is something that the social or like social software was kind of like bringing out for people. It's like, these are ways that you can interact without having that barrier of, I have the giant office with the giant curtains. Yeah. It's like ultimate democratization of discourse, right? Like, Oh, Hey, Mm -hmm. we're both, we're both in this Usenet box and you can't, I can't see your, you know, the polar bear you shot that's standing behind you because you're a weirdo and, uh, and you can't see all of my sports trophies. And so we don't know that we're both big, tough men. Uh, We have to use our words. Hi, as a big, tough man, here are my (laughs) thoughts. (laughs) I wonder, like, is there a way that we have evolved into exactly to your point into understanding um, the way that people type associating them with personas? I feel like we do consistently like if certain people type a certain way, I can kind of tell what kind of person they are, but it's so weird that it has changed from. I see the clothes that you're wearing. I see the office that you're in to mm, you're using the letter U and you have time uh-huh. to type it out. I mean, I think it's also like people's meme game tells you a lot about them too. Yes, and not just like, Hey, true. the meme is politically centered, but it's like, Oh, this is, this is how you communicate your ideas online is through this sort of, this sort of sub language. Or even like, like when you're doing the meme, like, Uh, I'm on Twitter, which is not the like, that's my my number one social media. And that is not where memes originate. Typically, they I know that there are are things upstream of us, but I'll see a meme and I'll be sick of it a month ago. And then my friends who are only on Facebook will send me, oh, yeah, haha, here it is. And I'm like, I can tell that you're from Facebook like that. There's so (laughs) much that we like the patterns are very clear even like across social media not just within usenet it's like the internet as a whole i know where you're from (laughs) yeah if you're not if you're still pondering your orb in like right april of this year well guess what you're a facebook person because uh, people on the chans were pondering their orb last november (laughs) or even if your meme is grainy i'm like "Mm, that's facebook like that's been copy pasted so many times you have lost fidelity. <laughs> I think the the other end of this uh, this New Yorker cartoon too is like while while we lose the vestiges of authority, we also lose the ability to sort of gatekeep slash confirm the authority exists, which gives yeah. rise to chuckle fuckery. I'm just gonna go out and say it. I'm just going to no, say that's that word. The technical term. That's yeah. the technical term. It's just yeah. a lot of chuckle fuckery going on <laughs> where somebody's like, hey, my name is uh, Joe Majim Jam, and that's clearly a real name. And so here's a picture of me in my boat, and I support the following candidates. And it's like, well, mm. you're not real, but we don't have any way to confirm yeah. that because we've lost that. <laughs> we've lost that connection to like, <laughs> oh, well, uh, Joe Majim Jam's <laughs> desk is a cardboard box. And he's also a nine-year-old. 
<laughs> I was going to say, and he he definitely touched on that when he talked about the Ostrom having this, was it seven, seven somethings of a group or something, but oh, it yeah, said yeah. It, mm-hmm. you have to, you have to be respected by external authority yeah, for that to be a thing, but that we have completely lost. His whole, um, he talked a lot in this about like, how do you gain um, reputation in an mm-hmm. online space? Mm-hmm. Like, like not just respect, but like, um, in some ways, respect follows reputation, or maybe you gain a reputation by being affiliated with somebody or something yeah. that already has respect. But like, yeah, none of that is verifiable online. Bad people have gotten so smart with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They've just gotten so smart with it that like the reputable verification is something that's also fake. And then that's verifying the other person. And then it's just become like a group of verifying all not real things. Which is why we need to teach internet literacy starting in elementary school. I agree with that. Yep. Wholeheartedly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And also it needs to be required when people go to renew their driver's licenses past the age of 55. Did you take your internet literacy course? Oh, I'm sorry. You can't drive until you do that. I think maybe we can we can lower the bar for driving. Like I mean, let's keep it at I mean, maybe let's bump it up to 18. But um no no means testing for driving, but like guns. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Let's make sure you know how to follow a link and check your sources before we give you a gun. Yeah. That seems good. Although gun gun producers and sellers won't back it, but hey, you know, they're not that powerful. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we could. I'm pretty sure we could talk him down. <laughs> There's this comedian I follow. Um, actually, Chelsea introduced me to him. Kyle Kinane. Oh. He he has an ongoing bit. I don't know if he does it in his act, but he does it on his podcast uh, about how like liberals need to gentrify the NRA. Like what? If like I don't know if the Pride Parade is suddenly full of people waving guns, guns around. Suddenly yeah, the perfect. NRA is going to be like, maybe we need to get some rules in uh, place. That, so that kind of has been. Oh, I don't want to take away from his joke because I think it's beautiful. It's a funny joke, yeah. It but is a no, it's, joke. it's uh, if we tried to make policy from it, it's not going to work. It's no, just I was a funny say, joke. <laughs> isn't that the um, kind of how the Black Panthers tried to approach? Guns? Oh yeah, well, they mm-hmm. like yeah, I yeah. don't. I'm not in full disagreement with arming the proletariat, I guess. So I don't know. Absolutely. (laughs) Like, like, I'm not sure. (laughs) But like, I don't, I don't support, I support better gun legislation, obviously. But yeah, I don't know. I think that they would, I, it might bring the world together, to be honest with you. They might just start loving gay people. That might be the change. They might embrace who they are finally. Okay. That also works. You know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's also a that's, net good. It's what is it? What does Coke do? Bring the world together. What's the song? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's the seventies. The world one. of Coke. Yeah, um, yeah. John Hamm uh, invented it in Mad uh-huh. Men. Yes, in the did. final episode <laughs> of Mad Men. Yep. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into our first segment. Oh. It's time for the mouth guard report. The mouth guard report. That was a great mouth guard report theme song uh, by Michael J. O'Connor. He he did the theme song at the top of the show. So uh, everybody can just uh, get down with the big yeah. grooves. 
How are, how are we doing? Are we are we chewing? We clenching? We grinding? I'm a clincher I, personally. Mm-hmm. What are you, Chelsea? I'm a clicker. So I'm I like a clicker. Oh, uh, you chatter like a skeleton. Yeah. Or like the Cenobite from the Chatterer from Hellraiser. Yeah. I'm not sure. This is going to sound really awful. It could just be clenching. But like Brian had told me the other night that he thought I was doing that. But I think I just had a lot of congestion and I was just making like really bad throat <laughs> noises. So it was just like. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was so, like it's in my sinuses. <laughs> so you're clenched plus post nasal drip. <laughs> I little mongolian throat close. singing in there uh, yeah 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 so nate you got cheeky for uh yes, the first time I, and you're enjoying it it's good it's good yeah i'm i'm kind of like so i don't think i'm a nightly hardcore grinder but i'm a mm-hmm. i definitely like look i went to the dentist and they were always like hey your teeth look really worn out what the fuck and i was like mm, i don't yeah. know i'm asleep when this happens why don't you help me you're the doctor Mm-hmm. And they and they tried to gas me, so I fought them off, and oh, I'm wanted nice. in three states. Yeah, okay. Um, Which ones? Oh, I I probably them. shouldn't say. I'll. Uh, okay, I'm gonna bleep them out. No. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I started. I I got the cheeky ones because they Wait, are. Wait, is this uh, why you left Colorado? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a rash of. I just killed a bunch of dentists. It's, it's a terrible. warrant you've got. Yeah, okay, yeah. go on, go on. Sorry. I wanted to see inside them, so I used the x-ray machine so many times that uh, they turned inside out. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but che- yeah, Cheeky's cool. Like, I I like that they fit well, because I was just mm-hmm. doing, like, the, the drugstore kind, like, going yeah, to Rite Aid, going to Target, whatever. Mm-mm. And I would get them to kind of fit. They would either fit or they would be too tight. Those were the yeah. only options. Like, I would, and, and then they would only, if they fit, they would only fit for, like, a couple of weeks, and then you'd sort of, like, break the sides down or whatever because yeah. I mean, they're, they're for like football and stuff they're not for what we're trying to use them for uh but yeah cheeky's great uh, good price um it fits nicely i i feel like it's uh it just sort of like melts into my mouth not as much as i want it to i think that's yeah. my big complaint about mouth guards like i want one that is like an invisalign where so i've got something to say as a long-term cheeky user i have some feedback for you um okay. you might eventually get one that does just melt i've had ones that are so thin they're barely noticeable wow i've had ones that are so thick i cannot use them so their consistency is pretty bad and they have two molds of my teeth and they keep giving me the first mold that doesn't work so my new one that just came in a week ago two weeks ago is of my first mold and i have ha- been on many chats, I was going to say phone, but I don't think that they have a phone. They don't even have a phone number you can call. Nobody I think has a phone with them online. Yeah, which, you know, I'm kind of okay with. But I yeah. have a dif- I have difficulty with this because I they got they kept giving me the mouth guard for the wrong teeth. And I was like, I can't wear this. It hurts. It makes me want to cry. So my newest mouth guard that I just got was so was not the shape of my teeth anymore. So it felt like I had braces and they were just like moving around. You know, Kelly, like your Invisalign, mm-hmm. where they're just moving around and sore. And I was like, I don't even know if that's the shape I want them in. <laughs> I don't like this at all. So now I'm having to use my old ones, which are probably going to move my teeth more. And I don't know what to do. I think I went up to contact them to re-mold my teeth all over again. So long term, Cheeky's kind of a bitch. Boo. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 but I still talking- use it and I still appreciate it. Like, 
it's still like life saving for my teeth because I have terrible grinding. I went to my, I went to my dentist and I told him I was a, I went to my dentist in Arkansas and I told him I was a teeth grinder. And he said, you need to see a therapist. And I was like, can you just give me a teeth mouth guard, something from a face just in the meantime, while I look for that therapist, he was like, no, can be true. Two things can be true. Yeah. And I was like, "Mm." and he was like, no. So I love cheeky because I can't have a dentist tell me that he's not going to help me. And then I can still get a mouth guard. Yeah, that seems like also a, like do dentists take the Hippocratic Oath? That feels like a violation is all there, I'm saying. <laughs> the doctor I had in Arkansas at my uh, walk-in clinic, did we talk about this before? Um, they got in trouble for giving ivermectin to people that oh, are, were at the jail. Yeah. Yeah, we, that was my regular doctor. I think we monster. talked about it. Uh, it might have gotten cut because I think it was a huge downer. But yeah. <laughs> mom, mom, mom. <laughs> What's staying in this show? But I'm just saying, in Arkansas, (laughs) doctors and dentists work differently than they do, I think, everywhere else. My dentist and doctor here have been nothing but professional. Kelly, what's your what's your mouth looking like? Uh, Crooked. Um, Sorry, Doctor Dan, if you're listening to this, I meant straight. So and you're flossing, (laughs) and I'm flossing. I actually, um, flossing is one of my compulsions so i am doing oh, that. that's good You're, she's flossing um, right now actually she's been I flossing the entire be. show i <laughs> low-key want to be <laughs> yeah i did um not invisalign i did sure smile during the oh, pandemic yeah. which was great um i mean it was an upsell and i didn't need it and i just did it to feel something but um you know it worked my teeth came out straight and it like didn't take as long as some of my friends who also got their teeth straightened and then um your last set of trays become your retainer for the rest of your life and um it is smart until you chew through them oh yeah yeah (laughs) good point and so I, I went into the dentist for just a cleaning and they were like, how are your retainers? And I was like, Ooh, I mean, they're in like more pieces than I think is recommended. And they were like, oh, well, no worries. We will um, 3D print you replacements, but we're going to oh. do like normal sure smile tray up top and then like proper retainer down bottom since you're since you're uh chewing since you're Mm because i just clench i don't even i don't think i grind i just clench so i wake Mm -hmm. up jaw sore um and sometimes like like calluses on the insides of my lips because i just chomp on Mm. them all night um and yeah so they they 3d printed me a retainer and it is it is very thick and i hate it when they had me put it in my mouth the first words i said were oh no, I hate everything about this. And they were like, we can print another one. And I was like, I'm going to hate that one too. Let's just stick with it. Um, So I, within a month, the back of it started crumbling. So every, I don't know, I'd say every couple of weeks, I wake up with like another piece of plastic in my mouth that I have Mm. eroded off the back of it because I just chomp so much all night. The first time it happened, I woke up and thought that like, Maybe part of my tooth had broken off. Like it was yeah. just a hard piece of plastic floating around in my mouth. And I was like, no. Oh, it's just the plastic. Okay. I mean, that's bad, but like not as bad as a tooth floating around in there. <laughs> Those dreams. I uh, do you have do yeah. you have the like tooth yeah. falling out dreams? I, you know, not as much anymore, but I definitely did 
for years and I would have dreams about other people's teeth falling out like not just my own but friends teeth falling out you did their teeth actually fall out was this a premonition not this time no I have had premonition-y dreams but not this time and have you considered uh, seeing a therapist to deal with your teeth (laughs) oh I have been in therapy for years and years (laughs) (laughs) No, I I know, I know. I just But uh. I did have a weird synchronicity this week. Do you guys want to hear about it? Yeah. Save it? Yeah. Okay. So I uh I have a friend from college who um is pregnant. Well, not anymore. She had the baby. Um and uh That's a good ending. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's great. Glad we- yeah. I was like, cool. Um or beginning. Some might call that a beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. A debut so buddy. It's she, uh-huh. it's a debut buddy. <laughs> It is her first baby. Um, she it was a long story trying to have this baby. She really, really wanted to be a mom. And there was like an ectopic pregnancy early on and a surgery and then like questions about fertility. I don't know. It was a whole thing. So such great news when she was pregnant. Um, she sent me the like ultrasound and the due date. And she was like, because of the ectopic pregnancy, I'm going to have a C-section. It is scheduled mm. for September 5th. And I was like, got it. It's in my calendar. So I, um, um, a few days ago, I guess this was like Tuesday last week. I was like, you know, I haven't checked in on her in weeks and weeks and weeks maybe months. So I shot off a text message that morning and was like, Hey, that due date's coming up. How are you feeling? Are you ready? And I didn't get a response. And I was like, I mean, you're very pregnant. You've got other things going on. Like, I'm just going to keep an eye on your social media and like make sure things are going well. Um, Later that night, she responds with a picture of the baby. They had moved up the date of the C-section. I texted at 8.21 a.m. Baby was born at 8.24 a.m. Like, I fucking plucked those vibes right (laughs) out of the universe. (laughs) Like, like I knew that baby was coming. (laughs) All great news. That's great. All good news. Yeah. Yeah. And and if your friend is listening, um, the baby is welcome on the show. Yeah, let's have him as a guest. Yeah. In 18 years when he's cool. <laughs> hey, the baby could be cool at like 12. It's always possible. I've seen uh, enough indie films unlikely, to know that kids can be yeah. cool at 12. We'll evaluate in 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was the mouth guard report. The mouth guard report. Open wide. This second half gets into some alternate reality kind of tech. Mm-hmm. Talking about, we're talking about everybody living with the new mouse is how he presents this. Oh, that we're going to be in a world where instead of clicking on stuff on the screen, you're clicking on the world, baby. <laughs> so funny to me. Yeah, yeah. Because he also mentions you're going to have a cell phone plus a pocket PC. Uh-huh. Yeah, pocket PCs were a thing. Yep. And you're going to run around basically scanning the barcodes that exist in the world and finding stuff out about them, which was interesting because it's like, well, yeah, QR codes exist and now we use them, but not really to learn things as much, but sometimes to learn them. Sometimes, but he specifically talks about how hard image processing is. He was like, yeah, one of the questions we get is, can't you just take a picture of the barcode and interpret it there? And he's like, well, 
technically yes but all of these obstacles and now it's like man i take like i don't know like our iphones anymore you can take like a drunk blurry mm-hmm. picture of something and it's like is that a cat here's yeah, a wikipedia page on cat <laughs> like it's <Yeah>. exactly <laughs> what he's talking about yeah. but with better tech <laughs> well and it's so it's so charming because he's talking about this in 2004 and three years later iphones exist yeah and blow up his spot completely because it's like oh man people who can afford to have these handheld these pocket computers and they can have a cell phone at the same time and you can link the camera and the cell phone to the pocket right. PC, <laughs> and then you're going to be able to print out a receipt with your information <laughs> like it's and okay so i was I was looking into it. I was looking into pocket PCs specifically because I had heard the term but didn't really know what it was. And one of the alternative names for it was smartphone and Microsoft deprecated it. They just stopped calling it smartphone. They called it like pocket PC business or whatever. Mm. (laughs) Like, oh, oh, (laughs) well, I guess that explains why, you know, Apple pulled ahead of (laughs) y'all. Just bad instincts on branding. But I also thought it was interesting because he talks about then that part of this, like basically barcode scanning and QR coding the entire world mm-hmm. also leads to kind of a potential to track people and their interests directly. Like, hey, if you go out and you take pictures of these things, we'll be able to know that you are you've been those places. So, again, we're back to surveillance and we're also kind of tapping into like air tags. Yeah. Right? Yes. Where it's like, hey, we can just use a basic technology to know exactly where you are and how long you've been there mm-hmm. and when you come back. So this made me think, you know what this made me think of is even before AirTags, like Grinders whole thing is like, here's who's near you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, here's who is close. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what he was talking about. Like proximity, like who, yep. who nearby has your shared interest grinders doing that there's there was another dating app and i don't know if it still is around um a friend of mine was using it and i can't remember the name of it but it was something like paths or Hmm. like crossroads or something but it was like it um the people it presented to you were people whose path you had already crossed so like maybe you walk the same way to work maybe you're you know you get lunch at the same place like so this has been used exactly yeah. what he was describing. That's a strange idea for a dating app because it feels like one of those like you don't shit where you eat things. <laughs> like I don't know if I'd want to if it worked out phenomenal, but it, if it didn't work out, then you pass that person every day whenever you're Yeah, you're like you're in walking. the same elevator like oh, that's yeah. a, I'm that's I'm really point. sorry, I'm trying to, I'm trying to abide by the restraining order, but yeah. our paths, you know. <laughs> Like the initial idea, great, but how it goes after a while. I don't even like it at tech conferences. Like he talked about that at tech conferences mm-hmm. where you you wear like a badge with essentially a QR code on it mm-hmm. and other people can like scan your bullshit. Um, this is like, uh, have y'all been to tech conferences? No, not really. Okay. Have you been to, so Chelsea to NRF. The, what's that? Uh, national retail conference (laughs) (laughs) we have a fondness for this conference did you have like the code on your badge i didn't have a code on my badge because i was in a booth oh maybe i did i didn't go to booths but i did have to scan a 
a ton of badges. Yeah. You did so, have an ankle bracelet and it would go off whenever you left the booth. I though. mean, they tried to, they were very upset when I did leave the booth to go to the bathroom. It was a very weird situation. Oh shit. Um, but there was like, uh, everyone had a QR code that you could scan. We just took pictures of them to make it quicker. So I have only ever attended conference. Well, I've presented at conferences, but I haven't done like the booth thing where I would need to be collecting information from people, but it's a, uh, thing at conferences where attendees presenters will wear their badge backwards to hide their code because yeah. you'll just be walking by a booth and they'll, they'll scan you and then start spamming you with emails mm. going forward. So like, it's a thing like we wear stickers over our codes or we wear the badge backwards. And like, I was going to say your badge usually has a different color or something. Like it has something to to show that you're a presenter on it, right? Like, because oh, I remember yeah. depending on have, what like, you were, it was flags. a different color. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would uh, I would also hide my, my flag to mm-hmm. stave off. I don't go to conferences to <laughs> network. <laughs> I'm like, don't talk to me. Unfortunately, I like go to tech conferences. So, and I'm the only woman and I've got like piercings, like I'm recognizable. So people are like, Hey, hey, let me talk to you. And I'm like, no, Mm. don't look at my code. Let me hide (laughs) my code. (laughs) (laughs) But he talked about that as like a, he did talk about how it can be problematic like socially like Mm -hmm. oh you said you didn't run into diane and yet your gps tracker says that you did um but this shows you in diane's bed yeah (laughs) (laughs) but then there's this whole other thing of like again surveillance like i have to hide you know i go to these conferences and i'm like don't scan me don't scan me without my consent (laughs) Well, that's the thing. We live we live right now in like a cyberpunk dystopia. It's just not mm-hmm. cool. Like we don't no. get to dress in yeah. cool stuff. It's not raining and we're not no, eating you know noodles what? all the time. That's like, that prison you're living in. Oh, yeah. that's true. We can, can dress like that. You can start dressing however you like. Ooh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think like it's, it. yeah, because he talks about the surveillance part. He also gets into the potential for like sharing art that you like. And, mm. and he basically lays out the premise of wikipedia also I like know, what if we yeah. have a what if we have a, a a repository of information about all these things and people can all update it people can add content to our data inf- you know our data points around specific places and spaces and things like that um which is just such a cool thing but then he also talks about interestingly the politics of labeling which i mm-hmm. thought was very interesting mm-hmm. too which I think we all kind of see that. I mean, it's it, sociologically, it's linguistics too, but like there's politics in the language we use and politics yeah, in the ways that say? we categorize things. He mentioned it took 12 years to get trans fat added to the FDA approved nutrition label. Yeah. And that was all politics. That was all politics, you know? Like it wasn't, well, how do you quantify trans fat? No, like we can count that. That's deterministic. So those 12 years was just people being like, well, should we? I don't think we should. Well, what about if this? Like, that's mm-hmm. all that was. And that's a label. Yeah. The people at Lay's were just like punching their punching the palms of their hands every uh-huh. time that they <laughs> thought about bringing it up. And they were like, whoa, we can't. We're not going to pass a trans fat thing this time. Which is also funny as a time capsule. They're like, 
trans fats new on the thing and it's like I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i remember we were always talking about saturated fat and how that mm-hmm. was the problem mm-hmm. and then he brought up gmos which are still so political yeah. But I'm not concerned about genetically modifying. It's all wrapped up together. Should I be? Is it? Yes, because many. um, Oh, no, maybe I'm conflating organic and GMO. Yeah, because I I don't know. I don't listen to any of it. I'm also not worried about. I am worried about some pesticides, but that's. Okay, maybe not, it shouldn't be. Maybe I should I look know. more into it. Or maybe I should be more worried. I'm I'm not I'm worried about well, pesticides I mean, in terms I think of what it's, it's doing for... to the environment, but yeah. not in terms of what I'm consuming. Yes, because it's like, hey, look, how much longer do sense. I want to be here? But I don't do I want her to be here yeah. later? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, some of these are like I'm looking at the dirty dozen, but I don't plan on eating the outside of a pineapple. So I'm not super concerned about the pesticides used on it. Maybe I should be to soak into the pineapple. But have you tried it? Have you tried the outside of a pineapple? Maybe I should. You know, <laughs> maybe I should. Get in it. Get I in do. there. I also watermelons they have. I just feel like I and I clean all of my. Hmm. I don't even clean my veggies. I'm what like, I'm raw dogging these grapes. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do not care. Dirty, dirty veggies. And you know what? I don't ever get sick. Oh, knock on that wood. Yeah, knocking like, on it. she's knocking on it. So we talk about labeling. He talks about. Oh yeah, he talks about how Wi-Fi is ubiquitous. Um, he speaks specifically about. He makes a joke about how there's Wi-Fi in the grocery store in Redmond, Washington. That was so funny to me. And that is one of the few audible reactions we get from the audience. This is uh, the Overlake Safeway in Redmond where we have Wi-Fi. Uh, most of our supermarkets in Redmond have Wi-Fi. Um, don't yours? Uh, now, of course, it doesn't really matter because the cell networks are getting quite capable to carry the data. And now uh, it, it's no longer all that remarkable that a particular place has Wi-Fi. Yeah, people like, really no. chuckle to that. They're, they're they stoked. Left- they essentially were like slapping their knees compared to some of his other <laughs> jokes. Like they were loving it. Yeah, <laughs> some of them were dead prior to that joke and they came to life. Yes. To yeah. laugh at it. <laughs> and then he follows this up talking about scanning Cracklin' Oat brand with this combination pocket PC cell phone situation. Right. And finding out like, oh, uh, the box got mislabeled. They've recalled this because it might have dairy in it and you didn't know that mm, yeah or also it would bring up an article that we now know that all you have to do is google cracklin oat brand and it would be no. like oh cracklin oat brand <laughs> killed 92 people yesterday at a concert and you'd be like oh god <laughs> who gave cracklin oat brand a gun i wasn't saying i have an app that notifies me whenever there's a food recall i get a pop-up see that's yeah yeah what's the app plug it it is in no i don't know if i want to because it's making me more nervous than anything else in this world if you don't want to know all the crime that's happening around you, do not download the Citizen app because it just makes you... If you're a nervous person, don't download it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm a nervous so person. both crime and food recalls. Yeah. So, oh, you know, see. it's hitting every every box. So it's just TikTok then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad it was 
crackling oat brand that he went through because it's one of my favorite cereals so it's classic right yeah. does that still exist uh, so yeah it does it does okay, it good. is usually on the top shelf because it's Ooh, top shelf fancy because yeah. it's yeah. the best it's the, the best. gray goose of cereal yeah, yeah. <laughs> is gray goose good i don't know i don't i don't know <laughs> i hope so it's the johnny vodka. walker blue of cereal there you i know go. that's expensive i know that one yeah <laughs> <laughs> but he was also talking about like um like okay first of all do you guys know rfids yeah yeah how much did it bother you when he called it an rfid i don't even think i picked up i was fine with it because i've only read it (laughs) i was like absolutely not under no circumstances shut your mouth put soap like i'm gonna clean your (laughs) mouth out with soap this is unacceptable to me like a gift gif thing you cannot say no gift gif doesn't bother me viscerally like this did i was like rfid rfid yeah, Arfid? Arfids. No. Arfid. No. <laughs> I mean, he, so he talked about Ephraim's Law, Ephraim's Law. Yeah, that which was is Murphy funny. backward. Mm-hmm. Murphy backward. But that's only if you pronounce it that way. It's, it's Hipram. Yeah. So I was like, meh, I, if I wrote it out, that would not be how I would pronounce that. So did he listen to a podcast for someone? Oh, he didn't. Talk about this is the first one. Ephraim's <laughs> no, and Arfids. I don't think he did. No, <laughs> he didn't listen to an audiobook. <laughs> they were probably look. They probably got together at like a Starbucks, the first Starbucks that ever existed, yeah, uh-huh, and they were like, yeah. "Hey, what if we spell Murphy backwards and say Arfid?" Just to bother, <laughs> yeah. just to bother a really like, awesome eh, lady right. twenty years <laughs> from now. <laughs> he was talking about RFIDs and how you can like scan things and make like a digital footprint of your path through the world Mm -hmm. and find connections to people through objects um and he was talking about maybe you scan it or maybe you blog about it and he was talking about how in like a revelatory way if you mention an item so long as you use the word correctly you suddenly are a link to everything else and i was Mm -hmm. like yeah search engine optimization like that's what we're talking about we are talking about surfacing your content by using specific words so that when google crawls your website they find all those keywords and can connect you to the other things that you're looking at like this is this guy's smart yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's i mean it's it, it really is fascinating it really is fascinating it's like next level interesting and i don't even like i'm the not tech person out of the three of us i guess which is great this makes yeah. me the, the dummy <laughs> i like being the dummy i i just keep coming back to how charming it is that he's so like optimistic yeah and yeah. there's a real like g golly to the whole thing where it's like hey all these things have so much potential what a what a cool we're, we're standing at the precipice of a new tomorrow where we can make everything so much better but i don't think that he was naive about it yeah like no like limited in in knowledge base but that's just you know how it works when you're when you are at the dawn of something but i i don't think that he was like running head first into it and being like this is the greatest thing ever and nothing can go wrong i think he was measured and i think that he was right to want to study online communities so one of the i know that there's like there's absolutely a balance between studying behavior and surveilling people Mm, and i i don't know that's such a 
huge gray area that I don't know where exactly the line is. I do think that like there is value in studying how things happen online. For example, like um, we saw um, like white nationalists specifically targeting furries because furries feel that they are not accepted and they are on the outskirts of society. And so like white, like Nazis were like, they are weak, we can turn them. And that is important to study and to know about. Now, when you get down to like Jeff who lives up the street is doing X, Y, and Z every Friday, that's clearly a problem. But like where Mm -hmm. that line falls, I think that we are still figuring out and um, I don't, I don't know. This talk doesn't really get into that uh, question, but yeah. I did find it very interesting the way he was he was talking about um, how communities were functioning on Usenet. He even talked about how like the tech support forums had like so he was he was presenting graphical representations of um, activity on different. You can think of them as subreddits, as different mm-hmm. subreddits on Usenet. Yeah. And it was like the tech support subreddit looks like this. And then the politics subreddit yeah. looks like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one thing I thought was really interesting about that was um, it's exactly what it's like on Twitter today mm-hmm. is that like a very few people are spamming. He said mm-hmm. he described it. He said it looks like spray. Like there's a handful of people just spewing the vast majority of posts. And like, that's valuable to know because you get on Twitter or you get on these subreddits and you're like, man, everybody is saying this one thing. And I don't really agree with that. But if you know that if it's like 2% of people are generating that output, then like that puts it into a little better perspective like it isn't everybody it is a small minority who are generating the vast majority of posts and that's so important to know so like yeah it's surveillance but well i think it's it's, yeah it's to your point it's like is was diane fossey like surveilling gorillas or is she observing and there and that's and i think sort of I think it really comes into like what level of of like government or extrajudicial judicial mm-hmm. apparatus is taking control of the information, and like how I, they're using it, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because like, it's good on one hand to like make sure that uh, hypothetical Jeff, like oh, hypothetical Jeff has bought a firearm every Friday for the last six weeks, and he also keeps talking about how he's angry at everybody. Well, maybe we could watch hypothetical Jeff. Man, but even that, like, now what are we doing? Are we? Trying well, I know to that's, that's 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 like that, pre-crime. That line, right? You know, that's yeah. like mm, that's Minority Dick. Report. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we're we're doing like thought crimes at that point. Like I don't know, I don't know. You know, um, that's yeah. a pre. It is a pre-crime, but not until the crime is committed does action is action taken. But then, what's right? the point of generating all of the like? Why surveil? Some of the people who set out and do things end up posting something online prior to it happening. So if they have surveillance and flags that like notify them when there are dates and times, maybe it could help. I'm not, I'm not promoting that either, but here's, here's, here's a thought. What if, what if instead of it being about 
taking punitive measures against someone based on the information they provide. It's about posting a public bulletin that says, hey, a person has noted that they're intending to target this space on this day. Mm -hmm. We recommend you stay away to minimize the damage to the place. I just worry that that can be used. um... I mean, of course, that can be used for evil. Like very easily. Yeah. (laughs) Very easily. Like it's (laughs) very simple to say on election day, say, oh, man. Somebody's threatened all of your polling places, uh, black community. So you Specifically probably should in like Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like, no, absolutely. It's yeah, yeah. This, this is a bad. This is a bad rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, um, this is a difficult one. <laughs> yeah. We should swing back because Kelly, you you want to me to pull a clip that I will play, basically yes. about how we would be able to also track how products like how products are made and what the actual costs of those are. And I think some people would like products to be more visibly priced, more accurately priced, as in, what's the environmental cost of an object? What's it going to cost us to dispose of this object? What was the cost in terms of the labor practices around this object and the pesticides used to cultivate it, perhaps? So there are all those things. There are also great opportunities to sell people things. I just thought that that was such an interesting idea, because this is something that comes up on never show the monster which is a horror movie podcast chelsea and i host um and i don't know how much of it makes it into the actual episodes but we talk about it a lot which is like how um we talk about it in the context of like how do you say that you are a morally good person mm-hmm. under a capitalist society yeah. Yeah. because what is it you have a quote that you say there is no conscious consumption what is it oh the one that i said wait what i'm um ignore me i guess okay. <laughs> but the the point is like um if you you know buy your top at h&m it yeah. doesn't look like you're doing anything bad but then you trace that back to like all of the labor that was outsourced to country that don't have two countries that don't have strong labor laws and so was that a sweatshop was that like, w- were yes. we um, mining materials from communities that are already suffering? And so he he mentions, like, maybe you can scan an item and maybe you get a notification that's like, hey, you can get this on sale at H&M. Or maybe you can get a notification that's like, these were not sourced. These materials were not sourced, sourced ethically. And also they are made of such and such um ingredients that aren't going to decompose and they're going to be on the earth in a trillion years so like bundling in not just the cost of an item like the whole idea started the way he presented it was like you can do cost comparison so you you scan your item at your grocery store and your device says oh this is cheaper at the grocery store across town but that's only like one vector of the cost of an item that's only like dollars out of your wallet and what if you are concerned about all of these other factors Mm -hmm. i just think that that's so interesting and valuable and we i think that we do see a little bit of that today but again it's political well it's 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 sort of self-policed right like companies Mm -hmm. companies sort of come out and say hey this is an ethically sourced shirt or this is made out of recycled what what you know so you feel good about buying it and and you and then it's really on the consumer to be 
willing to go look at the website and then read everything and then it look for like oh is this like energy. five star yeah mm-hmm. yeah you have to do a lot of work for what could be like a 20 dollars shirt so you're just like okay well i could just buy this shirt yeah but yeah yeah i thought i thought that was super interesting too because it is it is interesting to it's like from the good place too. Yeah, the whole idea of that's why we bring it up. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it yeah. Got started which is just yeah, which is great. Yeah. Which is great. Um, yeah, we there's not really a way to to avoid harming someone. Like we're sort of in a Buddhist uh, catch twenty two. <laughs> but I do wonder if we are going to a point in at least in society where people want to purchase the more ethically sourced item and are willing to pay more for that and like. I know everyone's like, this is like, put your money where your mouth is. And instead of just like, like we choose companies to disregard now, like we choose companies that we're like, we're not going to buy from them because of X, Y, Z. But like for products themselves, like you can choose to still go to a company, but even if it's a good company, you could still get a bad product that was not sourced correctly. So like going through like at a macro level is mostly what we can look at, but we can never really look at micro because even like, Unless it's a store that's specifically, is Carhartt good? I don't know. I saw a commercial for them making pants and being like, we care about the people who work in our place. Don't know if it was propaganda, but it looked really nice. It was. (laughs) (laughs) It was advertising. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe I should buy more Carhartt. But that's the thing. Like, If you can back up that your stuff is ethical on some level or at least hopefully a higher the highest level that it's ethical i'd be willing to pay a lot more for it just because i would like to not feel like i'm making the world worse well that's like the the like the late 80s early 90s there's this big like made in the usa by american mm-hmm. campaign and mm-hmm. i i don't know if either of you remember it i i'm a little oh, older yeah. but like it was a big deal, like the whole idea. Oh well, yeah, everybody should just buy this thing that's made in America because it even if it costs three dollars more. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about you know an iPhone, for instance, and it's like, oh, it would cost like two thousand dollars more if it was made in America. Right. So there's there becomes that problem, and then uh, people who work at Foxconn uh, assembling iPhones throw themselves off of the building to commit suicide to the extent oh, that they Jesus. put in nets. Yeah, they didn't do anything about the work. <laughs> They put in right, nets. Yeah. So less corpses, but still work as hard. Uh, I think, it, yeah, it's like, I love this as a as an optimistic note because he does follow it up immediately with like, and there's also ways that you could make yeah. a lot of money selling people stuff with this. Mm-hmm. Like he fully acknowledges, and I, and I feel like that's just the sociologist to be like, mm-hmm. so I'm going to say this because this is true and I'm smart and we all feel this, but we also know why we're here. We're at a tech conference and we're not here to save the world. We're here to make a lot of money. Yeah. And say we're saving the world to whatever extent that we can. It's yeah, there's yeah. a lot of obfuscation in that space. Like, let me boast about the good things. And I just won't mention the bad things. And if you never ask, it's don't ask, don't tell. It's don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. In the tech space. <laughs> yeah, like where did you get all that lithium from to make your batteries? Eh, shut up. Don't worry ah, about it. Eh, no more emissions. <laughs> we're doing a good thing. That was the second half. Let's go into our next segment. Are yeah. we ready? No. We're going to play a game. We're going to play the game that we're going to play every single week. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's your favorite game. Oh, can't wait. We're going to play <laughs> I See What You Did There. Oh, 
<laughs> so who, who wants to go first? It'll be over in a snap. Just Don't worry. Pick. Just pick, Nate. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Kelly, because you asked me to pick, I'm going to pick you. Number right. one, a doctor antagonizing tech giant fell to earth with this failed pocket PC device featuring a finicky writable screen that keeps getting the lyrics wrong to Feels Good, which is a New Jack swing song by a 90s band with a repetitive name. Nate, that was so long. It's, yeah, it's too long. Yeah, very long. <laughs> okay, okay. I need the I name of a failed pocket PC thing that uh, that was made by a tech giant that antagonizes doctors, maybe keeping doctors away. Okay, so yes. A failed pocket PC device, and it keeps getting the lyrics wrong to Feels Good, a new Jack swing single by this 90s band with a repetitive name. So Apple. Uh-huh. Um, what's the name of Apple's failed uh, pocket PC PDA thing? It's a great question. <laughs> I thought so too. <laughs> That's good. You saw what I did there. It was a great question. The end. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't remember them. How they went iPod to was it like the iPod Touch? <laughs> this came out in the post pre jobs era so it was like in the window of time when he got fired before he came back they put this thing out and okay and, and it had like a writable screen pocket. but it didn't it it's didn't do things well screen? yeah 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 you were uh, able to use a no. stylus to write on the screen to take stylus. notes okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah that's not red lit around in there let's see what we can do with the second half so it's um what was the song what's the song it's new the Jack song Swing. is feels good Feels good. It's a new Jack swing is the genre of music. It's from Definitely the nineties. Thought that was a band. Okay. Okay. And all right. Feels you good. need the name 90s. of the band that sang "Feels Good." That band has a repetitive name and a repetitive name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I? Is it like an? Is it like a popular band name in culture? Like, am I going to be able to? I, to like, I'm pretty guess sure you've heard of them. It? I think you would have heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. A repetitive name. I'm just thinking repetitive name. It's New like Jack literally Swing the same name three times. Yeah. New Jack so Swing is a genre. Mm-hmm. New Jack Swing is a genre. And what's the genre like? It's like uh, R&B. Oh. Mm-hmm. I can give you one of the band members if you yeah, if that, if you think great. that would help you. Uh-huh. Uh, Raphael Sadiq. Well, didn't help. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, uh... I am just singing over and over in my head. Doctor, feel good. Different song. Different song. Yeah. Are they the band that wore the big hats? Did they have a a repetitive name? I can't remember who that is. Are you thinking of Millie Vanilli? No. Oh, okay. I think they wore big hats. Um, repetitive name R and B. Backstreet Boys. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Okay, this one was this one was. I don't terrible. have anything, Chelsea. What have you got? I can only think of one band that has three. Does the band have three? Three repeating? Is it that band? Oh, that was a good guess. I had yeah, yeah, yes, but I was like, that's definitely nowhere near oh, the no, time. Yeah. Though, yeah, that's not the right. Not yeah, the right nowhere kind near of music, the time. But yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just. I'm just gonna. 
I'm just gonna d- dispel the magic here since okay. obviously this is off to a great start in the in the new show. <laughs> uh, the device was the Apple Newton. Newton, okay. They made a they made a thing called the Newton. That's and, funny, uh, Apple Newton. I see what yeah. they did. I see what yeah. they did there. And yeah. the, the the band name is Tony Tony Tony. Oh, spelled T O N Y. T-O-N-I-T-O-N-E oh. with an apostrophe, with an accent over it. So I was going for Apple New Tony Tony Tony. That Apple New Tony Tony Tony. I you see what I did. Band. Yeah. I do. I'm mad at both you and Tony Tony Tony. <laughs> Apple's fine. Right. I'm fine with what they did. <laughs> Apple sponsored the show. You can tweet at us at Davey Rice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Chelsea, number two. This nickname for areas of the internet notorious for black markets and illegal behavior can't go to its local Claire's for this under-the-tongue body alteration. Dark web piercing? Dark web piercing. You see what I did there. I did. That's right. Sorry Chelsea you didn't get that, that one, Kelly. One. You would have gotten I was that going, one. Apologies. No, I wouldn't. I was oh, like, what? Okay. No, I was thinking not piercings, but like where you snip the like the ew, little ew, bit ew. of skin. Oh, so you have a snake like, tongue? Yeah, well, no, not even that. Like, below, I was, like, tore something. Like, I was overthinking it. I was mm-hmm. overthinking it. Okay, okay, okay. Damn it. I, I had got, like, so no break. You did that so fast, and now I'm right back Sorry. on it. Uh, okay. Should we? <laughs> that was also, like, half as much text. I yeah, read well, her half as much text as time. I did you. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. Kelly, number three. You ready? Yeah, uh, I okay. guess. <laughs> back in the day. Folks would gather online to discuss topics or interests in an informal conversation space that's, in this case, specifically focused on a Virginia Woolf feminist classic. Okay. (laughs) I only know who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. I don't know any of her works. (laughs) You know this one. You know this book, I'm sure. You're going to see what I did there. Okay. Um, Like AOL, like chat rooms? Okay, great. Uh, chat room with a view? Is that her? No, that's Ian Forster. You're close. You're very close. Chat um, roulette. Um, chat. <laughs> chat. <laughs> chat. I'm like... Virginia Woolf famously loved chat roulette. All I have is Mrs. Dalloway. Okay. I mean, Mrs. Dalloway is a great book. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> You should read it. I will. It's on the list. It's on okay. the shelf. Hey, I'm, hey, look, I got lots of unread books. I'm not. I'm not throwing shade. <laughs> I'm giving uh, you a point for chat room. You're going to get a point okay. for chat room. Thank you, Chelsea. Do you uh, do you know the answer? I'm going to say chat room with a chair. Okay. Did she okay. have a chair book? I don't know. I don't know. I, don't I was going so. for a chat room of one's own. Ah, it was close. Uh-huh. That's what I was going for with room with a view. I just. <laughs> yes i see what you did there <laughs> yeah, you did you saw what i did there you each have a point you each have a point right now this is exciting okay number four chelsea this pocket pc that isn't an airplane shaped vibrator is off to los angeles for an annual time of auditioning for roles in upcoming television shows palm pilot season palm pilot season you nice. see what I did there. <laughs> see what I did done. there. <laughs> I, I, get, I got the one. easy I ones. I, would, one. <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten either of Kelly's. So that was luck of the draw on that one. So much 
text, Nate. So much text. <laughs> I know. I'll I, I'll make these shorter. I'll make these shorter. Or just um just type them up so I can read them. That would really help Ooh, me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can do pop that. Pop them in the chat so I can peep them with my eyeballs. I'll my hold them up dumb. like uh, like that movie. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. The Christmas one. Yeah, the Christmas movie that's oh, yeah. good but no. also sexist. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I haven't seen that. Oh. No. Well, Kelly Love actually is all around. Boo. <laughs> uh, so, and yet I do see what you did there. <laughs> you did. You did. So I gotta get it for like, that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Chelsea, you won. I see what you did there. Yay. Congrats. <laughs> Okay, let's uh so let's just get into the to the final thing. So this this was the first podcast. Yeah. And uh I just wanted to all each of us can kind of go around and talk about how we would rate it for one as like I think like I'll start by saying I would rate it like a, a I don't even know what scale we're going to use. What scale are we going to use to rate that? Oh. Ooh. Is it a number of debs? Is that what we do or do we do something uh-huh. else? Like give oh, me something I like else. Debs, yeah. Chelsea didn't like it though. No, Chelsea no, no, made... I do. I do. Oh, you do? No, I I was trying to figure out how how many debs. Oh, on a scale of how many debs? Yeah. Yeah, how many uh, debs? Do we just do three debs? Okay, that's I was in the, I, I don't know why I thought scale. ten, but I was like, that's a lot. <laughs> but is five too too few? Do we could do five debs? Or we could even five do six debs. debs and be anachronistic. Nobody rates things mm, on six. That's true. That's bonkers. That's a crazy scale. I mean, granted, that's just three again, though, because fractions. <laughs> I think five debs. Okay, out of five debs? Okay. Yeah. Great. I think I think this is a, a easily a four on the five deb scale. I'm gonna agree. Like this yeah. even I don't know, 2004 download, like the RSS feed for this is gone. We had to download this. It sounded good, even. Yeah. yeah. Quality was fantastic. Like I didn't yeah. have to turn up and down, you know. I have so many podcasts now that I listen to where I have to adjust the volume up and down because of different, you know, environmental uh-huh. things or yeah. microphone differences or whatever. This was clarity was great. And also yeah. like it was it was really compelling. And I've listened it was, to it yeah, like three compelling. times. And it got more interesting every time I listened to it. Yeah. Like, oh, I understand what he's saying now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. And he was great. Like very mm-hmm. funny without sacrificing the integrity of the material like he didn't ever um erode his credibility by making too many jokes like yeah he did the opposite of what i do (laughs) i mean same i (laughs) y'all if you want to see the like a bad tech presentation look up kelly adway at the (laughs) kafka presentation i mean it's it's good like i'm I'm smart and I said good things, but I also included like a lot of memes and the audience did not take it well. <laughs> How do you rate it, Chelsea? <laughs> uh, I would also give it four out of five dubs. Um, I, I feel like it had a lot of content, so it felt like I needed to listen to it a couple times to mm. to get it because he did talk fast in a couple parts where it got 
like I had to either rewind it to make sure that I under understood it correctly and that I wrote down the correct name. But the pace was very nice because of that as well. It kept me engaged most of the time. The biggest problem I had with it is he would go, he would talk about something and then my mind would just connect and then I would just keep thinking about it for a while. And then I would be like, oh shit, I have to go rewind and now listen to the next part he said because I was continuing to think about that first point he made. I feel like that's dope. It's so good. Yeah. I don't do that type of engagement with most of the podcasts I listen to today. Like that's awesome. It's like, it was like heavy, heavy in the content. And I, it goes up the alley of what I normally listen to with podcasts because I try to listen to like sociology type podcasts pretty often. Mm. So it fell in the same same line as that, which was nice. Yeah, it was good. I was honestly really concerned that this was going to be like a terrible, boring, awful <laughs> podcast that we were going to have to listen to. But man, no, not at all. No, this was great. I yeah, wish think, that it was yeah. still on like Apple so we could download. Yeah. Like I want like I would listen to backlogs of this, I think. It would be so interesting as a time capsule experience to go back and listen to so much of this. Because yeah. we haven't even heard uh the actual host of the show. I know. <laughs> Doug K doesn't appear on this episode at all. The person who put this together, but I think to to the point you made up top maybe he doesn't actually host it in any sort mm-hmm. of real capacity. So it's interesting that it's like I don't know it this this made me want to listen to more sociology style podcasts I listen to mostly comedy goofball nonsense which is why that's what I create and this was very like grounding and interesting and and yeah it just it, it engaged my brain in a different way and I think that's really really thrilling and I even like I go to tech conference I mean I haven't in the last couple of years because of the pandemic but prior to that I went to tech conferences. This is probably the most compelling Mm. tech conference presentation that I have heard. Like they are typically pretty dry and uh, very narrow. They get tunnel vision about the tech and don't think about it in terms of um, society. And so Mm. this was very interesting. I'm glad we did this episode. Yeah. 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 This was so cool. This was so cool. How do we feel about this as like uh, how it like this podcast referencing podcasting as a whole? This this is the seed from which this horrible tree has grown (laughs) that that has us on it. But it also has, you know, uh, Joe Rogan and uh, all sorts (laughs) of just crazy nonsense. Right. Got Dungeons and Dragons podcasting. Mm -hmm. You've got uh, all the NPR stuff. There are people whispering stories about things. There are people making up lies about things. There are people saying what they vaguely have ideas about, about things on some show that, I mean. (laughs) Once again, I see what you have done there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I'm glad. I'm grateful for podcasts, you know, Mm -hmm. like I like them. And um, you mentioned earlier, uh, like the democratization of information and access and i think the podcasts do a lot for that like um like even this like tech conferences are cost prohibitive and if you don't have a company sponsoring you to get in this isn't the type of information that you would ever like get to experience but it's just out there for download and 
that's very cool. And I think that if we can like teach people more about how to vet their sources, then overall, that's a very excellent thing. It We are going through like a rocky road <laughs> right now yeah. where there is a lot of um, troubling information out there and inflammatory information out there. Um, but I think overall, it's good. Yeah. yeah. I'm a Debbie Downer. <laughs> so for me to be like i think good <laughs> is well i, I think part of what remains is is mark smith's optimism like you can yeah. see you can see that all of the nice all the cool stuff that he imagined is still happening yeah. to some degree it didn't it didn't ever take over the marketplace the way that maybe you would hope for a tidal wave of goodness to, mm. to just <laughs> right, roll over yeah. all of it yeah it's more like oh yeah no he he the thing he talked about the most didn't happen and the thing that he said like and also this awful thing is what happened a lot but the stuff yeah. that he talked about is still going on we're still doing it we're still understanding ourselves better and and making better choices hopefully and yeah there was one thing i did find myself thinking about at mm. the end of this at the end of my notes so we downloaded this from a website which means a metric was probably mm -hmm. collected about us downloading it. Mm -hmm. So somebody somewhere is building a graph and being like, why this spike in downloads of this episode from 2004? You know, like that. And this one person downloaded it twice because he didn't realize he had downloaded it <laughs> a week ago. I downloaded it a couple times. Yeah, same. Because like, I downloaded <laughs> it on like multiple computers and then I streamed it from my phone but in like multiple segments. So I'd, li I'd listen to like 15 minutes here and 15 minutes there. And then I had to like refresh. So I downloaded it. Like that's another hit. So like somebody somewhere is like, why so much activity on this episode? What yeah. is going on? What, <laughs> and that's what online college course is teaching this? <laughs> that, that <laughs> right. These people from different parts <laughs> of the country are all downloading at the same time. We'll um, wait for the spike after this comes out. Yeah, right, that's what yeah. I was gonna say. I'm hoping that people actually do go listen to it because it was such a good, a good listen. And I was like, even on the page, they do track the metrics. It said like around 1,200 people had already downloaded it, so it's not even that high to begin with, which I would have expected it to be much higher. Yeah, but it is. I mean, it's so interesting. So yeah, listeners, mm -hmm. please, please go listen to that. Go listen to this episode. Uh, uh yeah, it's just so cool. Um, four out of five devs. This is a good start. Yeah, good start to the show. Yeah. <laughs> what do we want to do for the next episode? Do either of you have a, a pick you want to sling out there? Or should we make it a surprise? Should have anticipated <laughs> needing to come up with that. <laughs> Didn't. Same. We have a list going. Or do you have something else that you're really excited about? Oh, I mean, we could do the, the first reality show thing if you want to try watching all of those clips. From yeah, the PBS documentary that was technically the first reality program. <laughs> yes, yes. absolutely do. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> we will. We will do that. It's called An American Family, and it American aired in family. like 1974. I'm so yeah. excited. Yes, great. That's what we'll do. An American Family will be our next episode. That'll come out in two weeks from the airing of this episode. All right. Um, Let's see. Do you you all want to plug something? You want to plug Never Show the Monster? Yeah. yeah. So Chelsea and I also co-host a movie about 
movie? yes, that's right. We co-host yeah. a movie about horror podcasts. Um, no, we co-host a podcast about horror movies. It is called Never Show the Monster. And we are just wrapping up our theme on celebrations gone wrong, which is so fun. I think that it would be a great place to jump in and check out the podcast. If you want to, we do have backlogs of other themes, Um, but we have done ready or not. And both of the happy death days and uh, Little Evil and a wretched little movie called 2001 Maniacs. Don't watch mm-hmm. that one. Um, but yeah, we just <laughs> get together and Nate has been on. We did a I series have. on internet horror wherein we did um, uh, Pulse and what was the one Oops. with and Host and uh, Unfriended. Unfriended. Uh, with Moses. That's a great series. Yeah. That's a great series. It is. Yeah, we just um we do little runs of movies that share a collected theme and we have a great time over there. It's dumber than this one. It's yeah. it's it's just goofier. Um I also host a podcast about the wheel of time it is called 13th depository i've got a co-host over there as well we are just starting out on book two we have been on a little bit of an unplanned hiatus due to some family emergencies but we will be back soon and we have covered the first season of the amazon series and the first book eye of the world so if you want to come over and hang out with us there nate has been there too i've been there too yeah um yeah having fun chelsea do you have anything else to plug no. don't make me plug your boyfriend's art again yeah i was gonna but i uh yeah if you guys want to check out ryan did art on youtube it's a fun youtube channel he did the podcast art for uh never show the monster and 13th depository and hopefully we'll do something in the future for debut buddies so yeah there'll be forthcoming art i'm mm-hmm. sure yeah. And his videos are just super funny. Like they're, he makes great art, and the videos make me laugh out loud. Oh, sorry, oh. <laughs> I'm so proud. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, you can also check out where I publish science fiction books, uh, Space Boy books, readspaceboy.com. We've got a couple of other books coming out this year, including one by me. Yes. So you can watch for that at the end of September. What's it called? What's it called? What's it called? Yeah. My book is called One Person Can't Make a there Difference. It it's a cyberpunk novel with political overtones. I have pre-ordered it. written it. during the pandemic, so get ready. Yeah. Oh, you did? Aw, yeah, thank you. Welcome. I'm excited to read it. That's super cool. I can't wait for you to read it. You're going to hopefully enjoy it. And if you don't, you can <laughs> yeah, I uh, shouldn't have mentioned. tuck it on the bottom I shelf. Have that I pre-ordered it. <laughs> yeah. I should have read it and seen how many dubs I was going to give it before unveiling <laughs> right oh, this is this is barely half a deb not i don't know if i should bring it up <laughs> not a lot of devs <laughs> um, i will also plug the music of michael j o'connor uh go to michaeljoconnor.bandcamp.com he has a new album coming out and he also wrote the theme song and the segment songs for the mouth guard report and i see what you did Yay! there they're so good he's, good. he's a good they're person so good. for yeah. doing that for us for free because he loves oh, yeah. us and he doesn't love you so pay for his shit yeah how do we sign off yeah we need to sign off we don't have a good sign off well i don't we'll know get there bye buddies bye buddies <laughs> bye buddies <laughs> hope you find your dad first is best or first is worst.